Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions. Welcome to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Dominic Hayes, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, with me, I'm joined in the studio by Father Stephen Alcott, prior of St. Patrick's, and uh, Brother Isaiah Biter. As we come uh, to meet again for the first time in a long time, uh, we thought we would talk about, uh, let's, before we do talk about anything, let's say a prayer. Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So casting about for a topic for today, um, it was suggested we might talk about Dominican life in a time of contagion. And uh, in temporary we, contagi. Yes, right? in temporary temporary contagi. <laughs> So, uh, so what have we been doing, and how have we been keeping busy? How, uh, when we have been cut off from the the major ministry of Dominican dimensions, that we have found ways to serve the people of God. Mm-hmm. And Father, you are the prior and pastor at Saint Patrick's, <laughs> so perhaps you want to introduce this. Certainly, um, many people have been watching Mass and some of other events online um, at Saint Patrick. We've been live streaming our masses. We had been doing that to a very limited extent even before everything started to, to shut down. And we've decided that um, we're going to continue it even now that things are starting to open up again. Mm-hmm. So with 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 live streaming, um, we wanted to talk about today what it's like on the other side of the, of the camera, um, what it's like for those who are actually doing this and, and what we've heard from people about what's really difficult and what's what's really good and what's mm-hmm. opened up that was just never possible before. One of the things I noticed was how many meetings we had to have as mm-hmm. a community because mm-hmm. it seemed for a while there there was a new set of regulations coming out from either the government or governments or the bishop's office mm-hmm. or we were ourselves trying to decide how to handle things among, you know, keeping um, a safe community environment among right. ourselves. Right. And then um, how to serve the people of God while before we could open up, and then having to change everything again and again mm-hmm. when we were actually opening up and letting people come back to St. Patrick's. Right. So. And, and before they could come back, many people started watching Mass when it was live-streamed, or they could, That's of course, right. also, you know, it was recorded automatically, mm-hmm. and then they could watch it later at a time that they wanted. So um, as friars... Uh, we at least weren't alone in the church. I know some priests were pretty much alone in their church at the altar with mm-hmm. just them and the camera celebrating Mass. Uh, we actually tried to be together as a Dominican community um, for the Mass. Which uh, was interesting, I found, mm-hmm. because uh, the the daily Mass, which was live-streamed, ended up as our conventional Mass. Right. And we had the brothers there in the numbers that we normally don't get a chance to see them. Right. Because they're all doing different ministries. Right. 
Yeah, so we were actually t- closer together as a Dominican community, even mm-hmm. though it was very strange celebrating Mass before an empty church otherwise. So mm-hmm. maybe, Brother Isaiah, you were at St. Saint- Dominic's in Washington. Mm-hmm. What was it like there Well, you know, before everything started to open up again? Yeah, so being in formation, I'm just generally live in a community of – we have two communities in Washington that I, and I've recently moved between them, one of 70 men and one of – close to 20 men. So we, the numbers at our mass didn't really change very much. It might have been the biggest regular mass uh, in the whole diocese, if not in a, a broader place. Um, and I think the, the strongest sense was that we were there praying for the people who couldn't be at the liturgy, mm-hmm. um, both in the sense of you know asking God for consolation and for, to strengthen people who are away from the sacraments, but also actually being there in their place mm. in a real way to experience that dimension of, of priestly life is to, to actually be there in the sanctuary in place of people who couldn't. Right, right. And in the priesthood, you're, um, you, you, you're an ambassador. You bring the, the prayers of the people to God and you bring God's blessings to the people. So... I never thought of it that way, Brother Isaiah, but that's true. You know, that we, um, you know, we were in a sense in a much more drastic way representing the people of God by being there mm-hmm. for them, as difficult as it was, you know, when for it, them when, to be away. When everything shut down on us, it was the eve of St. Patrick's Day. Yes. And the first, vi- the first liturgy that got canceled was our big St. Patrick's that's right. celebration for the parish with the parade with the statue and the burning torches and the you know, drums and pipes, you know, from the city mm-hmm. of Columbus and the uh, the uh, the other Irish societies. And uh, I remember preaching uh, uh, and being hit, I should say, very powerfully about how this was very much like St. Patrick himself, you know, that all of a sudden, you know, he who had not been paying much attention to being a good Catholic, he says that as a teenager he didn't really listen to the priest and so forth, um, has all this taken away from him and has to learn something different. And mm. yet at the same time, in reflection, it was a lot less severe for us because um, one thing that didn't happen was the Mass is, in fact, not shut down. Right. Okay, it could still be celebrated. The Catholic Church never missed a Mass in this regard, that the, the, the liturgy of God was always offered on the altars maybe without the participation of the large numbers of, of people that we would all want, but at least it continued. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, of course, we're still doing mass intentions. We're still receiving the prayers of the people and praying for their needs as they ask mm-hmm. us. And so that all, all that work went on. In many ways, um, you get it. I think it was an opportunity to reflect upon how, how our ministry is primarily spiritual. You know, I mean... Many organizations can feed the poor, and for different reasons, too. I mean, I think the church has a special duty to serve others as Christ. But in terms of the the heart of who we are, it's about this relationship with the living God and worshiping him in the way he desires to be worshipped. Yeah, from another side of things, I was ordained a deacon on the first day of the shutdown in Washington, (laughs) (laughs) which was an exciting time because— just before the ordination, we got news that all the public masses were canceled. Um, but we figured it out, and we had, you know, we had a private ceremony because, despite not being able to have big families there, 
despite not being able to have all of our friends in Washington that know and are fond of the Dominicans, you know, we were ordained deacons for, for the glory of God and to pray for the church and to do ministry. And then similarly, just a couple months later, things were still shut down when we had six men ordained to the priesthood. Um, and we had, there was no one there but the Dominicans and the bishop. And that was a, you know, a very intimate ceremony, a little bit strange because we're so used to the big masses of people. But it had this sense of refocusing uh, that Father Stephen Dominic is talking about. I think we really had a strong sense that those who were being ordained were being ordained for the church mm-hmm. and that it was for the good of the whole church that there are priests now or that we became deacons even if they can't jump straight into public ministry and even if they're not going to give people blessings for a little while because they can't be close to them and things like that. But this refocusing on the spiritual dimension, I think, is something a lot of people are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, some people really thought, really appreciated, many of our parishioners got back and said they really appreciate being able to participate in the Mass um, not everyone. There's some people that found it just very difficult. It just reminded them of that they couldn't actually receive the sacraments mm-hmm. in person, where it seemed strange to some of them to, to watch Mass on a screen. Um, but then there's others who really, you know, um, you know kind of made, made the best they could of it. You know, I've, I, I heard from some families who set up kind of like a little, some prayer images and, you know, near where they watched Mass and so that they would have a place. Uh, one couple in our parish I thought was kind of funny. You know, uh, they were getting ready to watch Mass, and 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 uh, one of them came down, had just done some, was working out on an exercise machine, and her husband says, you're coming to Mass dressed like that? <laughs> <laughs> and she says, but but it is, but it isn't, but, but you know, it's like, well, <laughs> you know, is it Mass? Well, it is the Mass you're watching, but you're not actually there. So you get into these kind of strange situations, but one thing that really touched me was, uh, because we were not able to be physically together with our people um, during Holy Week, um, one parishioner family sent me in a photo of Palm Sunday, and even though they couldn't come to Mass, uh, they made they made they did this little Palm Sunday procession in their home. So they sent me a photo of that, which is really cute, including like I think they got some branches from outside, and the little kid was in a stroller being pushed around the house. So they they did their own. You know, it was really touching to me. You know, they. They made the best of a, of a very difficult situation. Mm-hmm. You're listening to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a D- Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Dominic Hayes, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Prior in Columbus. I'm joined in the studio by Father Stephen Alcott, prior and pastor of St. Patrick's, and uh, also uh, Brother Isaiah B- B- Biter, that's Biter. right. Yeah, Biter. Okay, German pronunciation. Hmm. Um, we've been discussing a life in a uh, Dominican life in a time of contagion. Yes. Uh, life during and sort of, uh, sort of an interesting change in in so many things. You know, mm-hmm. um, we were talking about um, you know how the the parishes respond, and we picked up a couple of new ministries too. I think mm-hmm. um, we've we've started. Uh, live streaming vespers every night from our our uh, priory chapel you know just a little place and that's actually picked up something of a following father was telling right 
Right, Vespers is basically evening prayer from the Liturgy of the Hours, which is said by the whole church around the world. Um, we always pray evening prayer. We usually pray it in our very small chapel in our priory, which is part of our cloister, meaning that no one really is able to come in for that unless you're a friar or one of the guests of the friars in the priory. Um, but we decided to to start broadcasting that on our live stream um, because it was very easy to do. And it's actually generated a little bit of a following. Mm-hmm. There's about 15 to 25 people that mm-hmm. some of them watch it live when we when we actually pray it, but some of them watch it later in the evening. But it's a way that they really have told me that they they really appreciate being able to have that connection mm-hmm. to which and the liturgy of the hours. The whole point of that is to is to sort of consecrate the hours of the day, the different times of day, mm-hmm. and it helps them to do that. And that's something that um, they're just not able to do at all because we have prayer within our cloister. But even if we did have Vespers in the church, which we do on certain special occasions, like in Advent, Mm -hmm. even if we did, many people probably, it wouldn't make sense for them to drive all the way downtown for just one 15-minute session Mm -hmm. of prayer and then drive all the way back. So it's opened up a possibility that just was not even there before. And uh, we even have a a Dominican friar, you know, who's assigned by himself elsewhere in our province Mm -hmm. and just... So he's he tunes in quite regularly to pray with us. But mm-hmm. it was it's interesting that, you know, despite all the different troubles and difficulties and separations that have happened during this pandemic, mm-hmm. there's actually some things that have kind of broken new ground in a, in a good way. Right. Mm-hmm. I've uh, I've often felt that the late that people laity could profit by a regular use of the of praying abbreviary, the divine office, and that's so easy now with applications like uh, I, Breviary, mm-hmm. and Universalis to get the office online. Uh, and it, and for you, I think we were telling me, somebody was telling me about one of the families for whom it's actually an anchor for the evening. Mm-hmm. You know, they, yep. they'll get together to pray it at the end of the, I think it might be, they might be listening to the uh, to the broadcast mm-hmm. taped previously, but that the whole family gets together and Usually by the end of it, the little ones are already, you know, groggy enough for <laughs> groggy enough for bed. Yeah, and, th- and that's a very old tradition. I mean, early in in the early the early centuries of the church, sometimes a, a, a church would have vespers, and mm-hmm. if it was a, if it was a town church, they would ring the, yeah. the Angelus bells, and people, if they could, would just walk over to mass and pray vespers. In a, in a village, you know, most people are like within what we call four city blocks at most. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually an easy thing to get together and have the whole community praying. Now we can do it with a different kind of technology. We may not be able to, uh, and I think this time has shown us we can do more with media than we've been doing. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. something that we've experienced in a lot of different ways is having new opportunities, actually having people meet, people get together in different ways that wouldn't have happened without cur- without the coronavirus, without the restrictions. Like I know people who had uh, high school reunions they never would have gone to, but they because it was just online and they didn't have to make a trip across the country, they said, why not? Mm-hmm. And similarly with whether it's driving across town to go to Vespers or it's young parents who don't have anyone to babysit their child but could totally zoom in for a Bible study or things like that. Um, there's a whole new experience, whole new uh, opportunities, but it does ask the question of of what – why don't we do this all the time? Is, is there something that we're 
that's missing or something that's difficult about being mm-hmm. so distant? We had uh, we've been, we're asked to do a number of uh, videos for the bishop, you know, for evangelization purposes, mm-hmm. uh, including some on confession, I think, right. and coming back to church and so forth. So these were new things for us, and I think uh, we got some very good reflection on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I believe you can find them if you go to the um, uh, the Diocese of Columbus's website. Mm-hmm. Or they have they have a YouTube channel. Yeah, uh, it's it's there. There are a series of about seven videos we did that are on returning to the sacraments. I believe they're also broadcast on the radio here. So um, um, so those videos are probably still available uh, if you wanted. Like one of them, I know is you don't have to be perfect to make an act of perfect contrition. Right. You know. Uh, you know, some of them were about, um, I did one about those who are still left behind. And, and there right. are many people I know personally who still are not coming back to church and for good and prudent reasons. You know, right. either they themselves are in a, a high risk category for complications from the virus or mm-hmm. they live with someone who's a healthcare worker or someone who's just vital, you know, and, and if that person gets sick, it causes a huge, you know, difficulty or even danger to others. So, mm-hmm. um, so about, you know, what, what, what do you do if you're left behind like St. Thomas was? You know, I, I think probably there's people that feel that way. St. Thomas the Apostle was the one apostle not present when Jesus right. appears to the, the, other, the other apostles. And I'm sure he felt very left out. But Jesus then came to him later. You know, so I think often of those people who, you know, in a way that, that separation is all the more painful in some ways because they see other people coming back to church, but they're mm-hmm. not really ready to do that yet or able to do that yet. Yeah, there's a special faith that's both demanded and given, it seems, to mm-hmm. people when they face that challenge these days. Yeah, yeah back to the Vespers. One, one new thing, um, Bishop Brennan uh, has been doing Zoom meetings with, with all the priests in the diocese who are able to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, just recently on the Feast of the Sacred Heart, he had planned uh, to originally to have on on, uh, on Holy Thursday, he had planned to have like an in-person conference. Now, of course, that was not possible because of all the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the pandemic restrictions. And then he wanted to reschedule it for the Feast of the Sacred Heart, and we still couldn't have it in person. But he did. He prayed um, Vespers with all the priests of the diocese who could tune in, and that was quite a number of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had a nice present, a nice uh uh, a little reflection by a priest. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was great that, you know, all these priests were there praying with the bishop, you know, praying. Mm-hmm. And one time he's, sometimes he's prayed midday prayer with us, something that would just not really be logistically mm-hmm. practical or possible. You know, imagine right. priests driving up from Portsmouth, you know, just to mm-hmm. come to, you know, half an hour prayer service, you know, right. so, but you can do that, yeah. you know, with, with Zoom. I think at the root of a lot of this, we're wrestling with the problem of sacramentality. Mm-hmm. You know that that we are a sacramental church. That the mm-hmm. that the the communion of of life with God is communicated by the touch of human bodies in one form or another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I say touch, I mean it in a when I say touch, I mean it in a in a in different ways because there's a sense, and of course, when my voice, which is being generated by my body is being heard by you with your bodies. So mm-hmm. there is a kind of, you know, touch with quotation marks around it there. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, there is a big difference between, you know, like watching Mass on a video and then being there. Right. 
of course. You know, and being there to actually be in the presence, to see the body of the church incarnate. And I think people are finding it, even with the the num- numbers restrictions we still have, using only about a third of the church, are, are finding ways to be there. I mean, I was talking to a person who had been a parishioner here for a while and just couldn't get over that we expanded from five masses on a weekend to ten <laughs> because of uh, the restrictions on uh, density of the congregation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but this is what we're doing. We now have, you know, the regularly scheduled mass, which includes an overflow room uh, with a video, but people still come to physically to communion. Mm-hmm. And then over beyond that, we've got the uh, a second mass scheduled 15 minutes after. I think we've only needed to to not do it once so far. So. Yeah, we've never had to do it after our, our Saturday vigil mass. But, okay. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, the other ones, we've needed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I've been thinking about, to keep an analogy perhaps with sickness, you know, whenever you have a sniffly nose and you can't breathe, mm-hmm. you find yourself thinking, if only I could just breathe easily through my nose. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's something you do all the time, but when you can't for a little while, you think about it in a whole new way. Same when you're on crutches mm-hmm. and you want to walk. But it, I think people are experiencing that with being in a sacred space for Mass. They never thought about going to Mass from far away or not being allowed to go to Mass for an extended period of time. But now I've heard from many people who experience a real longing to be back with their parish community, mm-hmm. to be back at their parish home, that they call it, to be just back at Mass and, you know, to hear the preaching, to hear the words of the Mass, to hear the blessing in a place where they couldn't, you know, mute it if they wanted to, or mm-hmm. um, with the dog not in the next room, or there's all these different aspects. It's a it's a new experience, and it, it asks us, it calls us perhaps, or maybe the Lord is teaching us to reconsider what does being together mean, and what do mm-hmm. the sacraments mean? What do the the touch of the sacred oils or... What does the reception of Holy Communion mean to us once we've been away from it? The light, dry experience of the host upon the tongue. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, and at the same time, we're finding that these media open up new possibilities of evangelization. I was finally begin, beginning to get outside work. You know, uh, now that meaning preaching, meaning preaching, because I'm assigned to full time preaching. Right. So now, so of course, this entire period, I've like lost my reason for existing. No, I mean, just kidding. <laughs> but um, but you're a human being, Father, not a human doing. Right? That's right. I'm a human being, but uh, I'm being a lot. But I was, as I said, I was getting out, and uh, I actually was able to talk to uh, you know, you know, the administrator of a parish who was telling me about. Um, his own parish, who has managed to put their streamed liturgies on the dark web, and that they ha- where to, it's accessible by people who whose governments are blocking them from res- uh, from st- the study and practice of the Catholic faith. So they have like five hundred Chinese families, wow. you know, watching watching them weekly. Hmm. You know, and this is just a small place in Ohio that is quietly <laughs> doing the work of God. Mm-hmm. In in thousands of miles away, yeah. so there's all kinds of possibilities. We are, tr- you know, the COVID thing is brought to how how what lack of connection means, while at the same time providing new kinds of connections that mm-hmm. are possible, not as powerful and as personal as the sacramental ones, but sometimes better than what was available. Right, I've seen uh, like our men's group at St. Patrick. Um, they're just going to be able to start meeting again 
pretty soon, but um, we had been praying and meeting online, and that's but that's been pretty good. You know, we were learning some things though, like when you're praying the rosary on on Zoom, <laughs> you kind of have to mute everyone except the person talking, otherwise it just piles up and sounds not that pleasant. You know, but but uh, it, but you can make it work. I was praying the rosary with another group recently, and one person praying was in California. Two of them were in mm-hmm. Cleveland. You know, a couple of them are here in Columbus, but, you know, mm-hmm. they meet at the same time. They meet daily, daily mm-hmm. to pray the rosary together. And that's just physically impossible otherwise. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're getting there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to, the, to being, having a more normal existence. But I think we certainly have learned a lot mm-hmm. during this period. That, and uh, now the question is when we have all the duties of parish work and on the road preaching, can we still keep up? This new media, these new media apostles. Mm-hmm. So, because and it's just a question of time, just a question of time. But uh, but I think it's something we can do more of. You know, right? Um, yeah, people had to quickly adjust to once this started hitting in March. But now there, many people are set up. They've gotten into the habit of some of these media apostolates that could easily be integrated into the more regular rhythm with time with, with time with time available you know the lord of the harvest still needs to send up more workers into his harvest and that's right we need to keep praying and asking him for those and if anybody's listening and you think you can do a better job than we're doing i challenge you <laughs> as i was once challenged by a priest from a pulpit the same with the same words to to throw the dice on the truth of jesus christ it's a sure bet and come and follow him and serve the people of God in whatever time, time of contagion, time of health, in good times and in bad, until he comes again. You're listening. You've been, thank you for joining us today for the Dominican Dimensions. My name is Father Stephen Dominic Hayes, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Parish in Columbus. I've been joined today in the studio by Father Stephen Alcott and Brother Isaiah Biter. Uh, let's end now in prayer. O light of the church, teacher of truth, Rose of patience, ivory of chastity, freely you have poured forth the waters of wisdom. Preacher of grace, unite us with the blessed. Amen. Dominican Dimensions is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Dominican Dimensions and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com. 